seated. I invite you to join me now in taking your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the Gospel of John. This morning we'll be in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Of course, we come now to the end of the Advent season uh, with this Christmas Day, and we have spent this season uh, preparing for this very day by, by looking at how each of the four Gospels tells the Christmas story. It's such a wonderful story, it's such a grand story, that each of the authors, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all in their own unique, holy inspired way, tell this story. And so we, we started with the first gospel, the gospel according to Matthew. Now he tells the Christmas story by beginning with the genealogy of Jesus. He doesn't do this to, to bore his readers to, to sleep. He does it to establish the identity of the Messiah. To, to, to set up, set, to, set up to, to explain that this Messiah that they have been looking for is this Jesus. He is the one who is the Messiah. He is the rightful son of David. He is the covenantal son of Abraham. He was the one who was born that first Christmas day. And then we looked at Mark and how, although Mark doesn't go into the explicit details of Christmas, he does explain the why of Christmas. Why was Jesus born? He was born for the gospel. To call his people to repent of their sins and to believe in the good news that he has brought to his people. And then we looked at the Gospel of Luke and how Luke in his very doctor, thorough way gives us this Christmas story that we, we know and love. And we looked at how so many of the participants though had, had fear. The fear of Mary, the fear of Joseph, the, the fear of the shepherds. And how God took that, that humanly fear and transformed it into a godly fear of reverence and obedience. So that brings us this morning to the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, who brings an eternal perspective to the Christmas story with that wonderful introduction. In the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So as we come to our passage now, let's take this time to pray for God's blessing together. Lord, we come to you on this Christmas morning, the day of the incarnation, the day we remember the incarnation of your word, the word, the Logos that John speaks of here in, in, in chapter 1. And we're reminded that your word points us to Jesus from beginning to end is meant to point us to the incarnate God, Emmanuel, the second person of the Trinity, who's come to be the Lord and Savior of his people. So Lord, I pray this morning, if we hear nothing else, may we just hear Jesus. But I do pray as your messenger, I will speak only highly and graciously of Jesus. And that your people will hear of Jesus. And that we will be comforted by him, convicted by him, and conform more and more to our call in and for him. Lord, bless us in this way we pray this morning. We praise now in the name of the one who is the Logos, the Word, our aim and our goal, Jesus Christ. Amen. So John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. We will stand together now for the reading of God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And Him was life. 
And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people, his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom, uh, of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. So we spent these few weeks thinking about the Christmas story, and we do this every season. It's a story we're familiar with from the four Gospels. We find it's a dark story, dark in the literal sense. Just think about the elements of the story that takes place at night. We think of an angel appearing to Joseph while doing what? While he was sleeping, the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. As we looked in Luke, the angel or the shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock when? By night. When the first angel and then the multitude of angels appeared from the night sky. And then the Magi followed the star of Bethlehem, which they could only see at night. And even the way the way, even the way Luke words the story in his gospel, it seems that Jesus may have been born in the dark evening time. So in a very literal sense, the Christmas story is a dark story, because of so much of what we know from it takes place during the night. And we come to the Gospel of John. John wrote his Gospel some 30 years later than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and some 80 years after all these events. And Mark, right there in the beginning, picks up on that theme of darkness when he introduces Jesus in terms of light and darkness. Now he begins this Gospel in the eternity previous. He links it to Genesis by using the same language that opens Genesis, but now he applies it to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John does this intentionally, he does this to signal that Christ appears in history, now initiates a new creation. And one who's coming, this light, is going to make a new creation of his people, and one day usher in the new heavens and the new earth. So from that linking to eternity, that using of Old Testament language, he then talks about Jesus in terms of light and darkness. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. This light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so we're talking about a classic good versus evil story taking place here. An eternal good versus evil because Jesus is light. And this light has come to do battle with darkness. 
We're not talking about physical darkness. We're not talking about the setting of the sun and the rising of the moon. Rather, we're talking about a spiritual darkness. Jesus as light came to do battle with the darkness of sin. The sins of his people, more specifically with our sins. And so what John writes here is a very personal gospel in the sense where he says, this one who is God, the one who is in the beginning of God, this one who is, who is the incarnate God, is like who has come to do battle for you and on your behalf. The light of men, the light of you, Jesus is the light to come to deal with the darkness of sin that dwells in your heart and in your mind. Now this opening chapter, these opening verses of the prologue of John, there's so much to look at here. But I want us to focus on two themes this morning, and the first theme is life. The light of Jesus comes to bring life. Life to his people. But how does that happen? How does he bring life? Well, we know the answer to that. Jesus brings life through death. To be more specific in John's terminology here, Jesus brings life our life through his death. And we, we talk about so much around the Christmas time. You, you, can't celebrate, you can't properly celebrate or understand Christmas without looking towards Easter. You, you, you can't just focus on the manger without looking towards the cross. And that's what John is doing here. John is setting us up for this understanding. Because it's good news. Here's the one who brings life. As we read further into John and further into John and further into John, we realize that the way Jesus came to bring life, the only way that he could bring life was through his death. So right here, the Apostle John is linking together for us Christmas and Easter, the manger and the cross. That through his incarnation, his life and his obedience, there's only one place Jesus would be led to, and that's to the cross. So why the light so light could one day be extinguished in the cross? To be extinguished for three days. To be extinguished in, in, in such a way that God gave, the Father gave three hours of darkness during his time on the cross. The life that came to bring life can only do so by death. And so we find in John's Gospel that's one of the great purposes of the Incarnation. Jesus, God incarnate, came as light in order to bring his people life. Life that can only come through his sacrifice on the cross. And as we said last night, when we look at Christmas through that lens, when we look at Christmas from that perspective, it's a humbling perspective. Because who did Jesus come for? He came for you and me. And why did he come for you and me? To die for us. Why did he come to die for us? Because we're just that bad. We don't have the light. We need the light. And so you and me as these great sinners find that we are so loved that the second person in triumph Godhead became incarnate in order to die for us. The light of God's people, 
born for the sole purpose of fulfilling the Father's will for our salvation, to die for us the death that we deserve. One of my all-time favorite titles for a book is a Puritan work by John Owens. It's called The Death of Death and the Death of Christ. It's a mouthful, right? It's a, it's a, it's a long title. But it perfectly summarizes what Jesus, the light of God's people, came to do. He came to live a perfect life, to live, to practice perfect obedience, to, to do all this in order why? To die for his people so that we won't die the eternal death we deserve. When, when Paul exalts at the end of 1 Corinthians, O oh death, where's your sting? O oh, oh death, where's your victory? Is exalting in the death of Jesus Christ that through the death, of the incarnate Son is now our, it is, it, he died the death that we deserve. This is what the light of God's people came to do. <clears throat> it reminds us that eternal life only comes through the perfect death of the one who is the light of his people. <clears throat> That's why he came as light for us. But John also explains that this light came to break through the darkness. And again, not a not a physical darkness, but a spiritual darkness. He came as a light to break through the darkness of our sinfulness and our sins. And as a reminder, we, we need this light. Even as redeemed people, even as Christians, we, we need this light because even as God's people, there's a temptation for us to get to the point to think we aren't that bad. We, we, we mostly have our act together. We're certainly not as bad as those who who don't go to church, or, or, or who don't hide their drinking, or, 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 or who, don't, who don't cuss so much out in public, right? We, we, have, we have the decency to, to hide those sins. So we're not, as, we're not as bad as those people. And so we lie to ourselves. We need this light to show just how sinful we really are. I, I'm by no means a clean freak. My wife may disagree with you, but I, I don't think I'm a clean freak. But I think one of the cleanest places you could ever go to is when somebody is moving out of base housing. And I know this by, by experience. We, we're moving out of the second place in our circle at Shaw Air Force Base. We had to clean. And I remember I was old enough to to be helpful, or try to be helpful. And we had to clean everything in the house. And I, I mean everything. It was late January. Mom, I still hold this against you. It was late January, and she sent me outside to clean the vinyl on the side of the house with bleach and with water. So outside, it smelled like bleach. You, you go inside, it smelled like cleaning solutions and bleach. I mean, we cleaned that house from top to bottom, inside and out. Probably one of the cleanest places you could find. But in order for you to be able to move out, the house has to pass inspection. And there's a whole unit in the military whose job is to go and inspect houses. The day of our inspection, this guy comes in, puts a white glove on his right hand, goes, I can't remember if it's under the fridge or the oven, takes his finger, wipes under it, and comes out and it's smudged. And he says, you failed. And he walked out. So now we have to take out the oven. 
and clean not only under the oven, uh, the floor, we had to clean under the oven as well, the actual appliance. We had to do it with, with all the appliances. We had to clean everywhere. So there's no cleaner place you can find than a military house that's passed inspection. However, no matter how clean the housing is, every military housing has problem with cockroaches. Because cockroaches like to lay their eggs in packing glue. And you know how the military works. People move in every two, three, four years. There's a lot of packing boxes. So no matter how clean you make it, you're always going to have roaches. And you learn that you don't walk into a dark room and turn on the light. Because if you do, you may feel something under your feet you don't like. You turn on the light before you walk in. Why? Because cockroaches hate light and they will scatter when you turn the light on. You and I, this morning, may have that same spiritual problem. We may convince ourselves that we have our act together. We, we put together a good veneer to the rest of the world. We may have convinced ourselves that we aren't as bad as others. We, we have proper manners and we have proper decency. I mean, we're, we're members of Bethel ARP, right? We're, we're good, decent people here. We're, we're good people. We're in good society. And folks tend to think pretty good of us. We're, we're, we're good people with maybe just a few minor quirks here and there. But that's not who we are. Because when we know Jesus, Jesus shows us who we really are. We're dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinners. Or to use the King James language, we're damnable sinners. And, and, and the moment we try to convince ourselves that, that we aren't, then we don't know the light, do we? Because Jesus comes that light to, to shine to the deepest, darkest corners of our, of our minds and of our hearts to expose how sinful we really are. To, to strip away the veneer that we, have, that we have built up. To help us confess with Paul that we are the chief of sinners. That we are the best at sinning. We're really good. We've practiced it. We've got it down to an art. So why would Jesus do this? Why why would he come to shine his divine light light into places where we like to hide? Those closets we shut against the world. Those corners we keep shadowy so nobody else can sing it. Why does he bring light to those things that bring us pain, that bring us shame, that bring us misery? Because if Jesus did not bring light to it, then we cannot confess it. If we cannot, we're not willing to confess our sins, then there's no blessing of eternal life in him. Now, we're not called to be like Martin Luther and we're to bring forth every sin that we've ever known. But when we know a sin, we're to confess it. And Jesus is the divine light does what is uncomfortable and it's unpleasant so we can bring these sins to him and know that his yoke is easy. His yoke is light. His way is easy. And we can know forgiveness through his perfect life, obedience, and death. It's ironic. This little baby was born to make us uncomfortable. This little baby was born to lead us to look at things in our hearts and minds that are unpleasant. But this baby is born to do this. So we can take those things that are unpleasant and bring it to him on the cross.
and know that they are forgiven. His light leads us to life in him. And to John, that's the good news of Christmas. That's the wonder of the incarnation, that the light of Jesus leads us to a blessed life in Jesus. So as we prepare here in a few moments to go home and maybe begin our celebration of Christmas, or if you're like my family, continuing it from 7 o'clock this morning, let's keep in mind what John recorded here some, for us some 2,000 years ago. Why Christmas? Why this day? Because the light of man was born to lead us to life. A light that exposes how truly sinful we are. So we may turn to this light and embrace him in faith for eternal life. And may his light shine in your life so you may know the blessings of eternal life in him as we celebrate the light of Christmas. Pray with me.